Well, it's about that time again, friends. It's time to get our church on. Hey, Sandals Church online family, welcome. My name is Jeff and I get to be your online pastor. I also get to pastor our Sandals Church Anywhere community. If you would rather watch the service in Espanol, visit sandalschurch.com Spanish. No matter where you are or what circumstances bring you to this point right now, I want you to know that you can be real here. Real with yourselves, real with God, and real with each other. Hopefully you experience that today. Well, right now we want to send up some praise to the Lord with singing. That's what we call worship. And we're going to do that right now. precious blood that brought freedom, that brought healing, that brought deliverance. You see, your blood is healing every wound. Your blood is making all things new. Your blood speaks a better word. Come on. 
sing it right where you are. It covers, it covers me, destiny. He's making all things right. He's making all things right. The precious blood. Yeah, it's rewriting my history. Sandals Church Online, welcome again. My name is Jeff and I get to serve those of you who join us online from all over America and all over the world. Not only that, there are those of you who are gathered here with your Sandals Church Anywhere community, which means you are getting the best out of this experience by watching it with others. It's like your personalized pocket-sized church right in your own home. If you're new, our church is all about being real. So when I say we really want to connect with you, I mean it, we really do. If you are on the chat, say hello. The chat is a great way to connect to other people who are worshiping along with you. And if you're new, whether you're watching at home, on your own, or if you're watching from a Sandals Church Anywhere location, you can go to sandalschurch.com slash next to let us know you joined us because we really do want to get to know you. 
you have kids, then we got something great for them. Help lead your kids to know more about Jesus by going to kids.sandalschurch.tv. It's a service built just for them that you can watch with them right now, or ideally you can watch it with them after this service and learn together. Hey, I watch Sandals Kids with my own kids and I learn a lot from Mr. and Mrs. Coyote. Seriously, they're awesome, they're great. Don't know who they are? Watch it. Sandals Church is made up of thousands, I mean thousands of men and women who want to be better at living this life of following Jesus. And we offer great ministries and resources to help you do just that. For women, we have Cultivate, which is a place for women of Sandals Church to cultivate kindness towards one another and have a safe place to live out our vision of being real. They're starting a book study this week that you can join in person or online. Check it out and see what else they offer at sandalschurch.com women. And for men, Advance is your place to connect with other guys and become the men that God wants us to be and that this world so desperately needs. They're launching their new season called Mansplaining. <laughs> you wanna check that out this week and you can get all the details at sandalschurch.com men. If you have not downloaded the Sandals Church app and gotten connected, then, then what are you waiting for? An invitation? Okay, okay, I got you, here you go. You are cordially invited. You are cordially invited to download the Sandals Church app by going to sandalschurch.com right now, slash app. Go there right now, I'm telling you, go there right now. The app is your spot to get all that is available here at Sandals Church and find everything you need to help you take your next steps as a follower of Jesus. Great, there you go, you got your invitation, no excuses. When you do that, you can also follow along with Pastor Matt's notes for his message, which starts right now. Hey guys, and welcome to Sandals Church. So glad you're joining us. Some of you have noticed there's people behind me, you're freaking out, what about COVID? Hey, listen, man, COVID has been just an incredible challenge for us for the last uh, over a year, depending upon where you live or where you're watching from. And let me tell you something, COVID's real. I'm not here to say it's not real. And there's a small, small percentage of people that die from it. But I want you to know, here's why we're here today. We're not here because of COVID, we're here because of Christ. And as, as last time I checked, sin still 100% kills everybody. Like 100%, it kills everybody. And that's why we're here as the church. And I wanna talk to you today about this question. Will you get into heaven? You see, every culture decides what heaven is and how you get there. Like my people, right? You know, we were the Irish and we got conquered by these Vikings who thought, you know, if you kill people and you conquer people, you go to Valhalla, right? That's how they get there. So some cultures, you know, the perfect person is the warrior. Uh, Greek culture, right? It's the Stoic, it's the philosopher, it's the sage. Uh, for the Egyptians, it's the Pharaohs. So you had to be royalty. Uh, the Jews, you had to be like this perfect person. And they even debated whether there was a heaven or there wasn't a heaven. And Jesus clarifies that for us as Christians. But every culture has this idea of who goes to heaven, where heaven is and who goes. The problem in our culture is everybody goes to heaven, amen? Dogs go to heaven, you know, you're going to heaven. And, and, and that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, narrow is the road that leads to life. Listen to this. And there are few that find it. 
And so I want you to find it and I want you to know where it is and I want you to know how to get there. A couple of weeks ago, I shared with you that right after I preached, I had to, I had to go and, and talk with a man in our church that was battling cancer in the last days of his life. Well, he passed this week. I just found out right before I spoke to you that he passed. And right now he's experiencing everything that I'm gonna talk to you about. He's standing literally before Jesus as we speak and he's being held accountable for his life. And so it doesn't matter what the Vikings thought. It doesn't matter what the ancient Chinese thought or the Pharaohs thought. Here's what I want you to know at Sandals Church. It matters what Jesus thinks. That's what matters. And so to get into heaven, every single one of us, okay, whether you're a pastor or, 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 or maybe you're just thinking about becoming a Christian, in order to get in heaven, I have to stand before Jesus. Now, here's the thing that's amazing <clears throat> is even Muslims believe that. Isn't that incredible? Muslims don't worship Jesus as the son of God, but they do believe they will stand before Jesus because Muslims, a billion of them worldwide, believe that Jesus runs the judgment. Isn't that crazy? So on that, we agree. Uh, you know, tell your Muslim friends, we both agree we're gonna stand before Jesus. In the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says this, we must all, that's all of us, you don't have to pray about it, all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You see, a lot of Christians are confused about this. And we're gonna talk about this when we get into Romans chapter eight, verse one, the difference between judgment and condemnation. But we're all gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due. Man, that's a scary word. What is due, right? The rent comes due. Amen, college people, the rent comes due. You gotta pay it. I remember when I was in college, my roommate, uh, he's a famous rock star now, but every month he was always surprised when the rent was due. He'd be like, I feel like we just paid it. I, we did 30 days ago and we're gonna pay it 30 days from now, right? Each one may receive what's due. All you're gonna get in heaven is what's due when you stand before Jesus. For what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Listen to what the book of Revelation says. This is the last book in the Christian Bible. This is John's vision of the future, of the end. And he said, I saw, think about that. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before the throne, before the throne. And the books were opened. Man, the books were opened. One of the things that scares me is sometimes my, kid will talk, my kids will talk about memories that I've completely forgotten. And they have memories of things. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I feel like that's an inside family story that we share. That's not an outside story that we share. Let's just, let's just keep that between us. And there's just some things that I've forgotten, but I want you to know the book of life doesn't forget. Right now, as you're living, God is writing. You're living, God is writing. Now we live in a culture where we wanna see the great held accountable, amen? We wanna see people with power and people with privilege held accountable. That's good news, praise God, because when you have power and you have privilege, man, you need to be held accountable. But here's the thing that you don't know. The bad news is that God is gonna hold you accountable, even if you got no power and no privilege, because you're not gonna stand before me. You're gonna stand before God. You're not gonna be held accountable for me. You're gonna be held accountable for you. And so many of you right now, you're saying, well, well, if I could just get this person out of my way, I'd start living for Jesus. The only person in your way, and as far as you living for Jesus is yourself. That's all about you. And you just need to decide, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live for him, okay? And my kids would say, well, that's, that doesn't seem fair, dad. Well, let me tell you something, we don't want fair. 
we follow our faith. We don't want what's due, we want what God gives, okay? Salvation is about God's free gift of forgiveness for those who ask for it, who ask. So here's our verse today. Here's where we're, we're gonna swim in this all sermon long. Romans 6, 23, the third step in the Roman road. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. And so many of you guys, and here's our culture today. Well, I just believe the good is gonna outweigh the bad. The good things I've done in life are gonna minimize the bad things I've done in life. And what we say is, I I'm not that bad. The problem is, what Jesus says is what we've earned, what we've earned from our works, from our efforts, from the ways we've tried, what we earn is death. But praise God, the free gift of life the free gift of salvation is in Christ Jesus. So just, I just want you to think about that. One day, I'm gonna stand before Jesus. Now here's the scary thing, is we don't know when that day comes. We don't know. We don't know how much time we have. We, we, we don't know how many years ahead we have. We, we don't know. You and I don't know. We're just not certain how much time we have to make this decision. And, and, and here's the thing is, you could go to bed tonight and you could wake up standing before Jesus. He gets to call. He gave you life and he can call you into eternal life whenever he wants, he's God, right? So number two, to get into heaven, I have to be forgiven by Jesus. I need to know that. And so I wanna, I wanna talk to you about one of my favorite stories about forgiveness. And I really wanna challenge us as a church to think about, have I received this? And if I have, do I give this? Do I give this? So in John chapter eight, verses three through eight, the scribes and the Pharisees, it's one of the most famous stories in the Bible, brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. That's a bad day, amen? Like that's, that's a bad day. This woman's life, this woman's decisions, this woman's private life instantaneously became her public life. I can't tell you how many times I've experienced that with church members. Something that you think is in the dark suddenly becomes exposed in the light. That's why as Christians, God's called us to live the same in the dark as we do in the light. There's to be no difference. So we're not afraid as believers if somebody flips the lights on because we're living the same way. But she's caught in the act of adultery. I want you to think about your worst moment, your worst decision. And in that moment, boom, all of a sudden you're standing before Jesus. They placed her in the midst, in the midst, in the center you know, there are people, you guys are watching me preach. She just got caught in the act of adultery. She was sinning against her husband with another man who wasn't her husband. And they placed her in the midst and they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Isn't it amazing how as self-righteous people, we, we feel like we have to explain the sins of others to God. Lord, did you see that? Did you see that? Like when I'm driving on the freeway, I gotta be honest, whenever somebody passes me illegally, I'm like, where are the cops now? Where are they now? Where are they? Right, do you ever do that? I'm like, really, really, really? And so they're gonna explain to God what she just did. And not only that, but they're gonna remind God of the law. Does it sound like you? Sound like me? Now in the law, they said, Moses command us to stone such women. Do you see the disdain between them and her? So what do you say? What do you say, Jesus? Now here's the thing is they don't care at all about her. They don't care at all about the law. 
They care about getting Jesus. Remember that the next time somebody asks you a question about the Bible. Remember before you jump in, before you jump in full, just, just dive right in to their biblical question that isn't biblical, it's political. It isn't personal, it's philosophical. Remember this because they're testing you. What do you say about this current cultural issue that's pressing right now? It's all over social media. What do you say? Right, and that's what social media does, doesn't it? It thrusts issues in our face every single day. And we feel like we have to instantly respond. We have to instantly respond. We have to instantly have an opinion. And Jesus is super wise here. Look what he does. He understands that they, that they might they might be after him. So what he does is he doesn't instantly respond with an Instagram post, amen? <laughs> he doesn't write the gospel according to Jesus on Facebook, amen? What does it say? It says he bent down, he bent down to the ground and he's writing. He bent down and he wrote with his finger on the ground. What's he doing? Ladies, he's taking attention off this woman on her worst day. That's what Jesus is doing for you right now. He is the propitiation for our sins. Right now, as you speak, or as I speak and as you listen, Jesus is standing between me and you and the wrath of God. He's standing between us. He's delaying, listen to me, he's delaying judgment. He's giving you an opportunity to get your life right. He's standing there, he's taking the attention off her and he's, oh, this is what he does. He's putting it on himself. They continued to ask him. They continue to ask him, they don't stop, right? The attention is no longer on the half-naked woman who I'm sure has been roughed up, who's scared to death that she's gonna die. She's made the worst decision of her life and now she's gonna pay for it with her life. They continue to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw the stone. One of the most famous teachings of Jesus, even if you're not a Christian, you probably heard, heard this. He who is without sin, let him throw the first stone. But here's what I want you to see. Once more, once more, he bent down and he begins to write on the ground with his finger. And we're like, what, is he, what do you write? We don't know, but I'm gonna tell you what I think. I think the answer is found in Deuteronomy 9.10. In Deuteronomy 9.10, it says this, the Lord gave me, Moses is speaking, two tablets on which he had written with his own finger, all the words he had spoken to you from the heart of the fire when you assembled at the mountain. Remember what they said, the law of Moses says, what were the law of Moses? The law of Moses began with 10 commandments written by the finger of God and they're saying, Jesus, Moses said, what do you said? I think he's saying, who do you think wrote those things down? Who do you think this is? You, I think with his finger, he's telling them who he is. He's telling us something. And here's what I think even further is, I think as he continues to write on the ground, maybe he begins to make some eye contact with some people. Right, oh, this one's for you. And I'm sure when he got to the commandment that says, thou shalt not commit adultery, Maybe he just wrote down how many people it takes to commit adultery. You can commit sexual sin by yourself, but adultery takes two. We got one woman 
and a sinner. Now who's following the law? Now who's following the law? And here's the thing, listen, but when they heard it, man, when they heard it, they went away one by one. You see, here's what the purpose of the Bible is. The purpose of the Bible is to teach you to look at yourself for who you are. Some of us think, we think we're so good because we're not looking at the perfect law of grace. We're not looking at it. The reason you think you're so good is you're looking at somebody else. You're so incredible because you're looking at somebody else. I think that's why we're all in love with media because we can find the biggest idiot, the bigger fool of the day than ourselves, amen? Let me just tell you my prayer. You guys can all pray for me with this. I just don't want to be the dumbest person in America on any given day. I got high standards, high standards. Like that's my goal. Because if, you, if you're the dumbest one on any given day, here's your 15 minutes. And here's our culture. Here's what's weird. Here's what's changed in our culture in my lifetime. When I was a young man, religious people threw stones. Now everybody does. Everybody does. Everybody's so quick to point out and condemn one person's one moment, one mistake, right? And we're gonna destroy this life and we do it every single day. God have mercy on your soul if you end up that person on social media and on any given day and you're in front of everybody with rocks. I think about it every time when I preach, my poor wife just watches, oh, I hope this isn't the day. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but words can get you in the middle of the circle. It's not just adultery, right? Now it's something you said. And it doesn't even have to be something you said today. It can be something that surfaced. I mean, I'm scared to death for all our young people in the church. You know, when I did dumb things in high school, those are just rumors, brother. Is it right? Amen? I mean, we, we cannot confirm nor deny whether Matt did or did not do that. But we have young people today giving us the evidence. Ah, look at me. That's going to hurt when you're 40. It says, beginning with the older ones. And let, let me just say this, my Facebook friends, you're the older ones. Young people aren't on Facebook. <laughs> They've moved on to another book. You're the one that's to set an example for how to drop the stone. Let me just ask you this question if, if you're an older person. And how do you know if you're older? If you have to pause and ask if that's me, then it's you, okay? When you start transitioning, you've switched, okay? You've switched. I got a good friend of mine. He's turning 40 this week. That's what I told him. I said, when you turn 40, it's just, and we're done with young. You just, that was fun. But listen, it says, beginning with the older ones, as older ones, we're, we're to set the example of, of what it means to forgive, of, of what it means to give grace. Listen to me, parents, if you can't learn to model grace for your children, they won't learn to give it to others as adults. Forgiveness, grace. We gotta give it to each other. We gotta give it to each other in the church. We gotta give it to people when they drive. We gotta give it to people at work. Right? We, gotta, we gotta learn 
to be gracious. Beginning with the older ones, we gotta set the example. And when we fail old people, we gotta be the first to apologize. Beginning with the older ones, every person left, right? Until the young, vigorous people are like, we're here to protest and kill somebody, what's going on? And the old people, gotta, we've gotta model for the young people how to give grace. And then Jesus was left alone, listen to this, with the woman standing before him. This is a precursor of what's gonna happen when she steps into eternity. She's gonna stand before Jesus. And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no, Lord. And Jesus said, then neither do I. But wait, now go, and from now on, sin no more. Romans 6, 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free, God, the free gift of God is eternal life. Here's what's important, through, through. How do you receive the free gift of eternal life? Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Think about everything that we've done as a country and as a world to try to find a cure for this COVID pandemic. Yesterday, yesterday I was, I, was, I was talking and speaking with pastors all across Europe. You know, they've been on lockdown and haven't been able to meet for over 12 months. They can't even go outside. You're tracked in Europe everywhere you go when you buy groceries or you go to the store. Think about that. And in Europe, you know, like our apartment is like a mansion in Europe, man. They live in these small, small houses. And I was gonna talk to and encourage, you know, this two, these 200 pastors all across Europe. And, and, and man, they're just, they're just so discouraged and, and so down. But here's the thing is I just reminded them, our whole world has been flipped upside down because we're trying to save people from a disease that kills like 0.3% at most. Sin kills everybody, everybody your friends, your neighbors, every single human being, Mother Teresa, the Pope, your pastor, your grandma, it infects everyone. And we'll turn our whole lives upside down to avoid physical death, but we don't do anything as Christians to try to save people from spiritual death, the actual death that matters. The wages of sin is death, death. Your best, your best efforts end in death. Your best. You know, this week they're mourning the loss of a great prince in England, lived almost to be 100 years old, just a few weeks shy of 100 years old, and everybody's talking about how great he is, but listen to me, death says he wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. Death says we all fall short. The wages of sin is death. And here's the thing that you need to know Somebody has to die so you can live. What you've earned is death. The wages of sin is death. Somebody has to die. Years ago, Tammy and I, and I love my wife. I, I, I shared with her, I was gonna share this story. She's forgotten it, she needs to be reminded. <laughs> but we bought our first brand new car. Anybody bought a brand new car? I mean, it's the best thing. You just, I don't know what it is. You just sit in the car and you just, I don't know what that smell is, but it's wonderful. 
It's wonderful. And if, and if you're a parent, soon that will smell like rotten French fries and diapers. So just enjoy it while it lasts. You know what I found in my car the other day? An old like slice of In-N-Out burger, the meat. The meat in my car. Somebody was eating and it, it slid off the patty and they're like, oh yeah, I'll get that later. But we bought a brand new car and we were so excited. We were so excited. My wife went to the mall, took her kids and, and some other woman at the mall ran into her and, and, and dented our brand new car. She came home and she told me about it. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. That's okay. You got her insurance number, right? And this is what Tammy said to me. Oh, she said she was sorry. That's all the husbands laughing. She said she was sorry. She, was, she, was, she, 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 she didn't mean to. She said she was sorry. Listen to me, Christians. Just because you, you're sorry doesn't mean you don't deserve death. You know what I told my wife? Somebody's still got to pay for the car. And I told her, I'm a pastor. We don't even own that car. It's a lease. <laughs> Toyota's not going to be like, oh, you're sorry. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to pay. Listen to me. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins. It's free to you, but it isn't free. It's not free. Somebody paid. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6.20, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Somebody has to pay. Like in our culture, we're great at demanding things. Oh, I should have this. We should have this. We should have that. That's great. Somebody has to pay for it. Listen to me. Somebody had to pay to get you into heaven, and here's why. You can't get there yourself. You cannot earn your way into heaven. And let me just tell you this, just to prove it. You can't earn a long physical life on earth. You can't even do that. How are you going to earn eternal life? Number three, to prepare for heaven, I have to start living for Jesus. So we're gonna jump just headfirst into Romans 6, 20 through 23. And we're gonna talk about why this verse is so important for us as Christians. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Why is that so important for us? Romans 6, 20 says this, for when you were slaves to sin, and this verse, just so you know, this verse tripped me out. Like it's not a good thing to be getting ready to preach on a verse and be like, Lord, I don't understand this. Cause like I gotta communicate to you what it means. So I was like, you got to tell me what it means. Otherwise, I'm going to skip it. Amen? Right? You know. <laughs> That's what you do. Next chapter. <laughs> Listen to this. It says, it says, you were free in regard to righteousness. And I was like, what on earth does that mean? Listen to me. This is what it means. Before you came to Jesus, before you were bought with a price, you were freed from ever living a life that matters. You were free from ever living a life of purpose. You were free from ever living a life that did anything ultimately pos possible or of significance. You were free from righteousness. You could just be a fool, right? Listen to what he says. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Ooh. Some of you, you're like, and people tell me all the time, I don't want to go to church because, and, and oftentimes non-Christians understand this more than Christians. See, non-Christians understand that if I go to church, I got to change. The first thing that changes is my weekend habits. Right? We don't go to the river, we go to the river of life. It's very different. 
But you know this last week in community group, we were asked to talk about what our life was like before Christ. And, and I gotta be honest, I always get a little embarrassed when I'm sharing those things because I'm Pastor Matt now. Back then I was just Matt and he had problems. <laughs> and I can always tell when I'm telling my stories about how I come to Christ, my kids, no matter where they are, like if I ask them to take out the trash, they don't hear it. They don't hear it. If I start talking about my sin before Jesus, they're like, And you know what? It's embarrassing because I'm ashamed of some of the things that I thought were okay before I came to Jesus. But this is why. This is what Paul says. This is why you need to change the way you live. For the end of those things were death. But now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. See, some of you missed it, but I have to start living for Jesus. You have a choice of two masters, sin or Jesus. Those are your choices. Either way, you're going to serve one. You're gonna serve one. This is what he says. He says, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. It's making you better. And its end is eternal life. When, but when you live for yourself, when you live for your own desires and your own wants, what happens? What you earn is death. When you, when you live for God and you work for God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, what ultimately comes out of that is eternal life and, oh, by the way, the blessings of a better life. People tell me, so, well, what, what made you follow Jesus? Well, I'd been following myself. And I di it didn't take long to realize that's not a good idea. I know what it means to follow myself. It didn't work out. And so I chose to follow Jesus. So, so what happens when I follow my own desires? It's destructive. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Like there's, there's things that the world, the world thinks are okay that God doesn't think that's okay for you. You see, God's going to change the way you think. You see, he can't change you without changing your mind. There are things that the world says, that's okay. And... And God says, it's not okay. I was sitting down with my kids and we're watching The Bachelor. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that. <laughs> but we're watching The Bachelor. And The Bachelor this last year got a lot of attention for race, racial issues. And I think for a lot of us as Christians, there was one, there was one part in The Bachelor that we, we really missed. And if you don't watch the show, it's this show where people come together for love. It's pure, it's honest. Um, it may be the most, it may be the greatest picture of love in the history of earth. Like Romeo and Juliet, Juliet are like, oh, it's, it's terrible. It's horrible. People, people argue with each other over who's there for the right reasons. Nobody's there for the right reasons. But there's this moment where one girl starts a rumor about another girl in the last season. And she says, you know, I've heard she's an escort. She sells herself to men. She's like, of course, I'm not saying it's true. I've just heard these things. But when it came out at the end of the show, here's what the girl said. She said, she said, I am absolutely 100% not a prostitute. And then she followed up with, not that there's anything wrong with being a prostitute. My question is, then, then why is that an insult to accuse somebody of it? You know? Like, can you imagine somebody accusing me of being an astronaut? I'm not an astronaut. Not that there's anything wrong with being an astronaut. I mean, it's not pure. 
It's not good. It's not right. It's not true. And oh, by the way, for most people that work in the sex industry, it leads to an unfortunate death. Because we are not to use our body as instruments for evil. But the world's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. Listen to me. Whatever you are in, God is pulling you out of that. He's calling you into something else. He's calling you from death to life. The wages of sin is death. Here's the problem with sin. It's so brilliant that Paul wrote those words. Wages, right? Wages. We think of wages as something good, right? I earn it. I earned this. I, I worked for this. This is mine. You see, we think of wages as something positive because sin is always a liar about its positive nature. And listen to me, some of you guys, you're still in sin. You know you're gonna stand before Jesus. You know you need to be forgiven by Jesus, but you are not living for Jesus. You are still living for sin. Sin still owns you because it's lying to you. You see, sin offers fantasy, but it kills intimacy. That's what it does. It lures you in. It pretends that it's something that you want, something that you need. It invites you, but ultimately it kills the very thing you seek. Some of you guys, you you are trapped in a world of fantasy and you are missing out on the intimacy that Jesus Christ wants to create in you. And let me tell you something, that fantasy leads to death, to death, not to life. Next, sin, man, it it offers an escape, doesn't it? But it creates a prison. That's what sin does. I think we tell our kids the wrong things. You know, I have to talk to all of my kids about drugs. Because when I was a young man, I was a fool. And I think we tell kids the wrong things. We tell kids, don't do drugs because they're bad. I think we need to be more honest. We need to say, don't do drugs because you might love it more than anything else. And that's what happens to people. Great moms, great dads, great kids, great futures. And they take this drug. I've never felt this good. And I love this. And I want this more than anything else on earth. And I'll neglect my studies, my responsibilities, my relationships. I will sell myself, offer myself because I love this drug. That's what we need to tell our kids. You might love it. I can't tell you how many times I've met somebody and they said, I I did drugs and I've never felt so good. And then they spend the rest of their life chasing that no matter how bad it makes them feel. You see, it offers an escape, right? Freedom, but it creates a prison. That's why Jesus said, whomever the son sets free is free indeed. Sin offers control. Man, so many of us, man, maybe, maybe you're not an escape artist, but man, you, you are a control freak, right? I'm gonna control these kids. I'm gonna control this marriage. I'm gonna control my life. And you're just squeezing the joy out of everything. <laughs> man, you know why people are freaking out about COVID? Because we can't control it. We've lied to ourselves. 
We've lied to ourselves. You see, sin offers control, but causes chaos. That's what it does. Only Jesus brings control out of chaos because only Jesus is in control. You're not in control. You're a lousy God, I love you. You're a lousy God. I can't even make my dog sit. It's not like she's a puppy. Like she's like on the other side of youth. Can't even control her, much less the world. Next, so many of our young people are struggling with identity. Sin offers identity, but it creates, it invites insecurity. You see, here's the thing about identity. We were never meant to identify ourselves by ourselves. We identify based upon someone or something else. Think about it. When I identify in a sexual way, I identify myself based upon someone else that I'm attracted to. You see, we're not made to find our own identity. Our identity is to be found in Christ, someone and something else. And so many of you, you're trying to find out who you are. Jesus already knows who you are. And one of the reasons he died for you on the cross is because he knows better than anybody else, better than your mama, your God-given potential. He knows what you could be. He knows. And here's the amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus offers forgiveness that you and I can't earn and you and I don't deserve. So stop living for sin and start living for Jesus. To go in heaven, to get in heaven, man, you gotta stand before Jesus. You have to be forgiven by Jesus. Listen to me, you have to have lived for Jesus. That's what it means to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. I'm no longer in charge, you are. I'm living for you. I'm moving away from myself and I'm moving towards you. And oh, by the way, Jesus calls that a better life. But here's, here's the real conviction here. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, but eternal life is the free gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. To really, really understand and prepare for heaven, I need to start forgiving like Jesus. This whole story began, right? With a woman that's caught in the worst moment of her life. And what does Jesus give her grace that she doesn't deserve? But what does he teach everyone in the crowd? Grace that they need to learn to give. Everybody in the crowd, I'm assuming, is a religious person because their concern is the law. You see, they know about God, but they don't know how to forgive like God. Romans, or excuse me, Colossians 3.13, it's one of those verses, especially if you're married, if you're married in here, just tuck this away. You have to make an allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Why? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So I'm writing this sermon for you guys this week because you need to hear this. <laughs> and my wife interrupts my sermon prep. I'm with the Lord in the holiest of holies. <laughs> and she's irritated at me because I've spilled some hair product on the ground, in our bathroom, on our white floor mat. Who buys white floor mat? <laughs> who, who? Women, that's who. <laughs> Guys, we wouldn't even have a mat. 
maybe a floor, we don't know. We have white, white floor mats. Who does that? She's all irritated because she's talked to me multiple times <laughs> about spilling my product on the white rug. I'm so frustrated. I'm like, she needs to hear this sermon about grace and forgiveness and making an allowance for someone else's faults. And then I got a phone call. We're having some work done at our house. I'm not kidding you. I, I go immediately. I'm, I'm pre getting ready to preach this point. I'm irritated at her because she lacks grace. <laughs> and I get a phone call. We're having some work done in our backyard. And it's the landscape guy. My wife had drawn up a plan and I had given it to him. And he was giving us a bid for the plan. And he's like, um, yeah, there's a bunch of spray paint marks all over the backyard. So my wife drew up a plan for him to follow. And then she thought it would be better if she went out in the backyard and just spray painted orange paint all over the place so he could better understand what was on the paper. And I go out there and it looks like somebody drank all night. <laughs> Dude was, was riding a unicycle drunk. I'm not kidding, I love my wife. Lines are going like this. He's like, well, it's your wife. I thought you would understand. And, imme and, and immediately, I'm like, what is her problem? So I, I go from she needs, she lacks grace, she lacks forgiveness, she's judgmental, and I what? Same thing, five minutes while I'm preaching this point. Man, isn't that life? We all want grace, but we all struggle giving it. Thank God there's Jesus. Thank God there's Jesus. Man, the next time somebody irritates you, maybe they're having a bad day. You think that woman was having a bad day? But Jesus stood in front of her and he wrote on the ground. He interceded on her behalf and he gave grace. Ephesians 4.32, instead be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Man, this is a command. This is what we have to learn to do. And let's be honest, most of the forgiveness that we give, is, it, it's just annoying stuff, annoying stuff. It's, you know, it, it's a stain on a rug, okay? I told her, we can buy a new rug. You know, I don't know, is there a shortage of rugs? I don't know, we can buy a new one. Most of it's little stuff, but sometimes it's ugly stuff, it's hurtful stuff. I think that's why the story involves adultery, adultery, right? Because I think that, I think that it's harder to forgive betrayal than it is to get over cancer. I just do. When you trust somebody, when you love somebody, when you give yourself to somebody, right? And I don't know if you've, you've gone through this, but when somebody that you've entrusted yourself to has hurt you, man, it's really, really hard. When, when I get stuck in this rut, and I know, I know that one day I'm gonna stand before Jesus and I know that I'm gonna need some grace for some dark stuff. I'm gonna need some grace for some silly stuff. But I know that I'm gonna be forgiven. I remind myself of this verse in Matthew 6, 14. If you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. You see, here's one of the great ways if you know you're saved. You know you've received grace 
when you are ready to extend grace. What if this story goes on? The woman is freed from the act of adultery. She goes home, she finds out her sister stole some coins, so she clubs her to death. That's not in the Bible. I just, you know, I'm just winging it here. But that's what we do as Christians. We've received all this grace. We don't deserve any of this, and we don't extend it to anyone else ever. Ever. Listen to me. If you make others earn forgiveness, God will make you earn yours, and you can't. You can't. We have to learn to extend grace. Do you know what heaven is? Heaven is a place for people who've been forgiven and have learned to forgive others through the power of Jesus. If you can't forgive on earth, you may not be ready for a life in heaven because everyone that is there is saved by grace because the wages of sin is death. And some of you don't know this. One day you will stand before the judgment seat of God. It's called in the Greek, the Bema seat. And the reason Jesus Christ can forgive you, and some of you don't know this, it's because he stood before the Bema seat of Pilate on your behalf. And what's interesting, if you go back and you read the gospels, it says Pilate's wife begged him to not judge Jesus because she knew that he was a righteous man as Jesus stood before the Bema seat of Pilate. He took judgment on your behalf because somebody has to pay the rent and he did it for you. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This verse needs to mean something to us. This verse needs to galvanize us. Think of all the, all the world has done to deal with the pandemic of COVID. What is our response as a church to deal with the spiritual pandemic of sin? How do we need to mobilize? How do we need to evangelize? How do we need to reach people? And we do this by not just receiving grace, but by being people of grace and being people who've not just received forgiveness, but can extend it. I'm gonna close and I'm just gonna pray for you. Number one, that your heart is ready to stand before God as a forgiven person through faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's not you, you need to do that today. But for most of us, the vast majority of the thousands of people who are watching, we have received grace, but we've never extended it. And some of you today, you need to forgive your spouse for being human. You need to forgive your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your neighbor. You need to extend the grace that has been extended to you because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. The wages of sin is death, but God gives us eternal life as a free gift through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let that sink in and let that change you today. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray in the, in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus, God, that you would move in our hearts to not just people who have been forgiven, but to become a people who can forgive people. God, send us your amazing grace and change our hearts today. Let us not just be recipients of grace, but let us extend grace. 
We pray this through the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that you anoint us today with your spirit. Give us supernatural grace from you to us and from us to others. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, Pastor Matt talked about how to live a better life, a life in preparation to meet Jesus. Offering real grace and forgiveness to, to others is impossible without Jesus. And while we all may desire to be like Jesus in situations like this, following Jesus in, in real life can, can sometimes feel easier said than done. That's why we've created the growth path. The Growth Pass is, is our way, it's our tool to help you follow Jesus in real life and take your next steps that can help you grow in your faith and in your relationship with others. Check it out today in the Sandals Church app or online by going to sandalschurch.com slash growth path. Sandals Church exists to not only help adults learn what it means to live a life of Jesus and following Christ, but but to provide a place for our kids and teens to follow Jesus as well. In fact, we have been working hard on something really special for our middle and high school students that's coming up in a few weeks. On Friday, May 7th, our church, Samuels Church, is hosting a youth conference for all of our middle and high school students. And for the first time ever, we are offering this experience online as well. That means no matter where you are or where your students are watching from, you can be a part of this incredible night. Parents and students can learn more by going to sandalschurch.com slash youthcon. And none of this would be possible without those of you who faithfully give to Sandals Church. Your giving has made it possible for us to adapt and adjust to continue serving our students well throughout the past year, and we have so much more in store for months to come. If you'd like to give the Sandals Church to be part and be part of, of so much more, you can do that at any time by going to give.sc or right in the Sandals Church app. Thanks so much for being here online. Sandals Church, our Sandals Church family, our online Sandals Church family. And for those of you who would like me to pray for you, just find me at our Sandals Church Facebook page right after the 8.15 a.m. Pacific Standard Time service every third Sunday. That's this week, and I'd love to lift you up in prayer. I love you, Sandals Church, and hope to see you next week.